Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. And you're listening to another episode of Memphis Type History. Welcome, Caitlin. Welcome, Rebecca. Or I just try to snazz it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a snazzy episode. Yeah. Because the sleigh bells are jingling, ring ting tingling. That puts us in the Christmas spirit. There's Frosty the Snowman dancing outside the window. Are you? Do you celebrate Christmas out there, out in Shanghai? Yeah, there's Christmas. There are the Christmas markets, and gonna go to one this weekend. Although it's not this weekend for anyone listening, but earlier in December. And there's like Christmas trees and Christmas music playing, you know. But it's more of a commercial thing, I guess. Not that it's like that. I mean, it's pretty commercial in the U.S. too, but. It's not like a particularly religious holiday, I don't think, here. There aren't like Christmas parades or anything that I know of. So, yeah, just Christmas markets and Christmas music and... Wonderful. Let's let's talk about Christmas past in Memphis. Christmas in Memphis. Yeah, I hear there's some good uh, holiday cheer that happened here. Not that there's not anymore. There still is. But it's always kind of fun to look back and see what Memphis was like in the days when we weren't here. Yeah. So today's episode will be a little bit different. I'll tell a little bit of the history behind some of the main Christmas activities of Memphis past. And then Rebecca's going to read some memories of these activities and events and moments that were submitted to us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Memphis type history. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So we can uh, learn about the city. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with a bang. And talk about Enchanted Forest. The Enchanted Forest. And cheers went up in cars and at desks everywhere. <laughs> what? Well, the, you know, where people listen to podcasts. They're excited about Enchanted Forest. Oh, and cars. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. If you ask a longtime Memphian about Christmas, you're probably going to hear about Enchanted Forest. Mm-hmm. And I think we have found that to be true. The Enchanted Forest first bestowed magical moments upon Memphis children at the Gayoso Hotel before it moved to Goldsmiths, which is where it was more well known. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Um, I did, but only because I recently read something about it. Ah, okay. Yes. Most of the people who have talked to us about Enchanted Forest or brought it up remember it from Goldsmiths. I don't recall anyone ever mentioning it being at the gay so so goldsmiths began in 1870 as a dry goods store on beale street owned by two german immigrant brothers jacob and isaac goldsmith and uh they started it with 500 dollars. hey not bad and as usual there's a yellow fever connection uh <laughs> that they kept the, yeah <laughs> they kept the store open at least three hours a day during the 1878 outbreak. Oh. Yeah, nothing to do with Christmas. I just saw an opportunity for a connection. So, Did they get infected? <laughs> no, they didn't. Did they get buried at Elmwood? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I don't know. I don't our, think so. Our new connection besides Elvis. <laughs> I know. It's either Yellow Fever, Elvis, or Elmwood. <laughs> We're going to try to bring those in for this Christmas cheer episode. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Uh, moving on. In 1895, Goldsmith moved to Main Street, and it expanded into the Gayoso in 1952. The downtown store closed in 1993, and it is now where the Center for Southern Folklore is located. Yeah. Nice. Uh, the store was pretty fancy. It had escalators and air conditioning and merchandise arranged by department. 
<laughs> which was all new things. Yeah. They also had a Christmas parade 10 years before Macy's ever did it. Was it as extravagant? I mean, I don't think so because it was so long ago, but... But they were still putting on a parade before the Macy's parade was? Yeah, I mean, yeah, That's yeah. It was definitely like Macy's level before. Uh, not like Macy's level day. I don't know what Macy's was like in the old days, but... yeah. You know, it must have been big enough to note that it was a decade before Macy's did it. Yeah, a decade's a long time. So that was the Goldsmiths Parade? Yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> the Enchanted Forest was inspired by Disney's Small World ride. Um, it opened in the bargain basement at Goldsmiths in 1960. And as many people remember, there was this really long tunnel from the parking garage to, to the store. And they would have lots of strange and wonderful things set out along the walls. Hmm. At the end of the tunnel, there was then a bakery with seasonal gingerbread men. Wait, to eat or to look at? To eat. Oh, It's a bakery. Yeah. Okay. Busloads of children would arrive, uh, happy to be on a field trip and hoping to spot Santa with the live reindeer. Wow. Yeah. This is, you don't, this is pretty big. Yeah. And then there was an electric train, or maybe several, actually, that ran through the whole Enchanted Forest. Oh, my. I kind of want to go to this Enchanted Forest. I know. It's pretty cool. So why don't you read us some of the memories of Enchanted Forest, these firsthand accounts? Oh, I sure will. This memory of the Enchanted Forest comes from Taylor from the blog Grace Grits and Gardening. And it's featured in our blog about Christmas in Memphis on our website. She says, A winter wonderland spread before us filled with forest animals and snowmen and twinkle lights and glittery snow delivered straight from the North Pole to the area behind men's clothing. We strolled through slowly, savoring each second and every step, not wanting it to end. But kind of we did because deep in the frosty forest, a visit and picture with Santa awaited. Kay Brower, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Kay Brower Williams, shared this memory with us on Facebook at Memphis Type History. Every year, my mom took us to the Enchanted Forest. She bought us Christmas dresses and my brother a suit to wear. It was a huge family outing. Loved it. That's really sweet. Yeah. Scott Williams, who we have featured on our podcast has recounted his memories of going to the Enchanted Forest on Facebook. He says, In the late 1960s, my mother took my sister and I downtown to the Enchanted Forest at Goldsmiths. I don't remember much about it, but what I do remember is we traveled from our home in Parkway Village to downtown on a city bus. That was my first ride on a bus, and I never forgot it. My favorite part was the bus ride to get there. I can't really remember anything about the Enchanted Forest itself. (laughs) That's awesome. Isn't that so funny about kids? <laughs> it's like you're taking them to this thing and they're just like, the bus ride <laughs> was amazing. <That's> awesome. <laughs> I love it. And Shirley Lovelace Williams chimed in to explain that they wrote the bus just for fun. And that was apparently just perfect for Scott. Her favorite parts of the Enchanted Forest were all the moving parts and the snow. I mean, the snow does sound awesome. They had snow blowing in the sh- in the. In the store? Yeah, I think... She and said like kind Mount- of the men's dress clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and the moving parts refers to the animatronic animals that were in there. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like the Chuck E. Cheese band? You mean like it's, like that. it's a small world? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's <laughs> Don't a small downgrade yeah, yeah. <laughs> to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, there's more. 
Christy Williams also loved the moving parts in the Enchanted Forest. She shared, I have two fond memories. Walking down the aisles in the basement for the Enchanted Forest, there were moving displays, mechanical snowmen, lots of music, lights, and of course Santa. The other is in the mid-50s, riding a float down Main Street in the annual Christmas parade. She got to ride in that parade. I know. It's a big so deal. Cool. And from Frances Washburn, who says, I remember my mama and grandmother took my younger brother and I every year to the Enchanted Forest at Goldsmiths downtown. I can still remember walking in the entrance of the forest and being just awestruck. I walked through the entire forest, I think, with my mouth wide open. It was just fascinating to me. I also remember seeing the Christmas parade going down. I think it was Madison Avenue. My grandmother took my brother and I, bought us candy at John Gray's grocery store at McLean and Madison. We used to have more fun, and we were just mesmerized by the bands and floats and all the people on the parade. Especially seeing Santa Claus was, of course, a highlight of the parade. Such sweet and cherished memories. That's sweet. Thanks for sharing. Patrick Lyons also shared fond memories of the Enchanted Forest. He says, I remember my mother taking all seven of my siblings and me downtown to the Enchanted Forest. It really was enchanted. I remember walking down the big aisle with all the magical displays on both sides. I just walked in complete awe through that incredible winter wonderland. Then at the end of the aisles, there was Santa. I remember being so nervous, hoping he hadn't seen all the naughty stuff throughout the year. (laughs) I was terrified he was going to bring me a lump of coal. Yeah. (laughs) He always knew my name and my pet's names. Okay, how did he do that? Yeah. Sorry, I had to break that because that's impressive. Uh, Continuing on, he says, he always would tell me at least one bad thing I had done. What? Yeah. He was the, might have been, he might have been the real Santa. (laughs) The real Santa. Oh, man. Then he would say, you have been a pretty good boy this year. I remember my parents and us seven kids sitting around the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve and passing out the wrap presents to everyone. There would be so much ripped up wrapping paper and boxes scattered everywhere. Then we would all get our new suits and dresses on and go to midnight mass. We would have to rush home and get in bed so Santa could bring us all our toys and other goodies. I will never forget the brand new Swin bicycle with the banana seat. I also remember so vividly the sparkling red fire truck Santa bought me, brought me, because he doesn't buy, he brings, uh, brought me when I was probably around seven years old. If I had to guess, I think this person still believes in Santa. I mean, yeah, when they know all those things, you how can you not? <laughs> That's awesome. And he got the bicycle with the banana yeah. seat. <laughs> I love that. Cindy Lewis Milligan dropped by Facebook to say, When I was little, the highlight of the Christmas season for me was going to the Enchanted Forest at Goldsmiths downtown. Fifty years later, and I still look back on that time with tears in my eyes and incredible joy in my heart. It was a big deal for these kids. So I think, um, I don't know if every year this happens, but I know in years past there's been like an Enchanted Forest set up in Pink Palace maybe or something. Yes. But I don't know. It's probably not the same. I don't get that vibe from people that it's the same. Well, next up, there were many mentions of Santa in some of the memories of Enchanted Forest. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about Memphis Santa's. Okay. These are some of the Santa highlights, aside from the memories we've already heard. In 1955, a Swiss Alpine cottage appeared at Court Square. 
which had been decorated as the North Pole for several years every Christmas. That's cool. Yeah, just cool cottage appearing, and approximately 15,000 children visited with the Santa in residence. Wow. Yeah. But it's cool because it's an outdoor Santa. I haven't ever seen one of those. They would always, like, have Santa's house in the square. Yeah. So in 1955, it was a little cottage. Hmm. This magical Santa had a super secret way to discover names, information, and what sorts of gifts he could promise that the children would get that year. Oh, you're about to give the real secret of how no, these I'm things not. did it. I'm just telling oh, you there not? was a secret. Oh. Uh, no matter what each child wished for, they all left with a tiny Coke bottle keychain. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it was sponsored by Coke. <laughs> if anybody has that keychain still, please take a picture and send it to us. Oh, yes. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Another Memphis Santa of note was Robert J. Morton, who would delight children at at his fully decked out home for the two weeks before Christmas. Wait, he made himself Santa? Yes. Well, his wife sort of did. So his house was on Parnassus and they would put up hundreds of string lights Mm. and they would play jingle bells. Hmm. And uh, in 1960, so this all started because in 1968, his wife dared him to dress up as Santa and wave to people like going by. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like children would come and tell him his wishes. Oh, yeah. So the second year, um, which I think is the one where he like did jingle bells and all the lights and stuff, 300 children came by to visit him. Whoa. Yeah. A lot of kids. (laughs) You want to lay on some... Memphis Santa memories? Yeah, let's hear some Memphis Santa memories. Meredith Bolden shared the memory of her Santa on our Facebook page. She said, In the 80s, my family would always go to the Raleigh Springs Mall to see Santa and ride the pint-sized train they set up every year around the fountains they had in the middle of the mall. Memory from Sandra Reeves of a special downtown Santa says, Memphis, the city, was an enchanted place to be as a child during Christmas back in the late 50s and the 60s. I remember there was a Santa set up on Main Street in a little park just north of the Walgreens. There was someone collecting the children's names from parents, unknown to children. And when you finally got to Santa, as there was quite a line, he knew your name. Oh, we just gave away the trick. (laughs) I hope the person that gave that goldsmith's memory isn't... (laughs) traumatized i know don't listen patrick (laughs) patrick right we should give him a spoiler alert (laughs) oh now we know margie waller hill also shared her memory on her facebook page my favorite santa claus in courts was in court square he was the real santa because he always knew your name and even the names of your pets that's a pretty big deal yeah. What I didn't realize was that there was a booth set up where a person was talking to your parents getting this information and he relayed this to santa who was wearing an earpiece <laughs> that's a pretty later- <laughs> sneaky operation yeah this is really well done later in the 1980s and 90s there was a santa on wells station road who did the same thing that's where i took my daughters you don't find that kind of devotion anymore i don't think so i do remember when i started to doubt santa uh-huh. that one year i set out to find out the truth. And so I refused to tell my parents what I wanted. And did you end up getting it? I did because (laughs) they asked the elf standing by the mall Santa to tell them what I asked for. 
Oh, they played the trick. They played the trick, yeah. Oh, that's clever. Chris Smith also sent us a memory, his favorite Memphis Santa. He said, there used to be a Santa that would set up in the area near Jerry's snow cones every year. I never knew this as a kid, but he had an earpiece that let your parents talk to him while you sat on his lap. I always knew that this had to be the real Santa because he knew my name and things that I had done. It was truly magical. (laughs) Mary Rose Smith added, The cost of entry was one canned vegetable. The folks who ran the operation would add those items to food baskets they would put together and distribute to families in need. We helped deliver them one year. That's sweet. Yeah. She went on to share her favorite Christmas memory, which is quite sweet. (laughs) I was about five years old when we stayed at my grandmother's for Christmas. So hard to go to sleep. But then I heard sleigh bells outside. And amazingly, I went right to sleep. The morning brought a new horse to my young uncle. I got a Betsy Wetsy doll. (laughs) (laughs) And my brother got a pop gun that shot small corks. You can just imagine what fun we had. Kirk Williams informed us that back before mall Santa Clauses, there were parking lot Santa Clauses. <laughs> I know, right? Very... <laughs> oh, no. I can't. It's so funny. <laughs> I guess it's like trunk or treat. Yeah. All right. Back in the 60s, they set up a stage in the parking lot of Eastgate Shopping Center, and Santa would arrive in a helicopter. What? Yeah. You would wait in line. Then just as you got to the stage and sat on Santa's lap, he would tell you what you wanted. He already knew. I found out years later that mom would walk to the back of the stage and Santa was wired up so she could tell him what you actually wanted. At that moment, though, it was amazing. (laughs) A helicopter. I know. (laughs) Kathy Height shared her Santa-related memory, too. She says, I remember taking my boys to have breakfast with Santa at Woolworth lunch counter at Raleigh Springs Mall back in the 80s. They loved it. Okay, what kind of relationship did she have with Santa that she's able to have breakfast with him? I know. She did not say. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Ah, They knew each other well, I guess. Yeah. Thanks for those Santa memories. Yeah, I thought those were fun. Especially that helicopter parking lot one. Man. (laughs) Fancy. I was just in the parking lot until we heard about the helicopter entrance. (laughs) All right. Well, Christmas in Memphis isn't Christmas if you don't think about Overton Square. Mm-hmm. Christmas at Overton Square was over the top and a sight to behold, <laughs> as were most things when Overton Square began. Uh, in 1976, those wild dudes who created the square, which you can read all about in our book, mm-hmm. uh, Memphis Type History, Science and Stories from Just Around the Corner. Shout out. Those crazy kids decided that there should be snow at Christmas. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. So they created a Charles Dickens Christmas. So there was a blizzard. Blue skies and blizzard. (laughs) Did they really make a blizzard? I guess they did because it was a fast blowing machine. Yeah, they had these um, (laughs) snow making machines connected to the fire hydrants. And as long as it was 28 degrees and under, it would make snow. So everyone apparently got out there and just waited for the temperature to be 28 degrees and they made a blizzard. Oh, how fun. Yeah. The carolers dressed like they were from the 1800s and they would sing beneath lampposts that were wrapped in garland and ribbons, very like old timey looking. The city Christmas tree, like the official one, was located in front of TGI Fridays because, you know, this was like the main place back then. Wow, that was the city tree. Yeah. 
The big parade for Christmas went right down Madison. That person recalled correctly. Yeah. And then there were ice skaters that were just crammed into the rink that took over the entire street between Florence and Cooper. And I'm thinking that this is the one that's, it was over Ten Square Gardens. I don't think it's an outdoor one, right? It's the indoor one where... The ice skating rink? Yeah, they had this ice skating mm-hmm. rink below and then like levels of shops above. Correct. I think that's the one they're talking about here, too. We have a picture of that. Yeah, and apparently it was pretty small. So I found a quote in a Memphis Magazine article about Overton Square, and it said from Bonnie Corvallis, Corvallis, and it said, It was so crowded you could barely move, and the ice became grooved. So when you fell, your knees took a terrible battering from those ice ridges. Mine were black and blue for a week. But it was fun, because how often did you get to ice skate in Memphis? (laughs) Not very often. Yeah. So yeah, Overton Square. Shall we read some memories? Yeah, let's hear some memories, Rebecca. Okay. Thanks for (laughs) gathering these for me, Caitlin. (laughs) Shout out to Caitlin. (laughs) All right. Jackie Massey Crawford recounted on our Facebook page her favorite things about Christmas in Memphis. She says, ice skating in Overton Square, horse buggy rides at the square, and eating BBQ at the public eye after seeing a play at Playhouse on the Square. They did Christmas plays. They had Christmas carolers. They were singing on the weekends. It was a great alternative to malls and very local experience. As far as the shops around the square, they had unique old things like beeswax candles, old soaps, old books. The cobblestone streets between Fridays were filled with small shops. Items were affordable in each shop. Many schools took field trips there at Christmas. The Public Eye Barbecue had free popcorn while you waited on your food and tables with old newspapers printed in the top of each table. I guess the Public Eye Barbecue was a, a actual restaurant there. Yeah. I think the goal was always a family-friendly place. It was good barbecue, but in the late 80s, it seemed to lose the appeal concept as most restaurants in the square at that time drew a happy hour crowd. The ice skating rink was located in the back of the building and was outdoors. They later closed it to make it a wedding venue. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Debbie Plunkett was also a fan of the square at Christmas. She said, loved the Charles Dickens Christmas in Overton Square. We ate at Gonzalez and Gertrude's and loved the streets during Christmas in Overton Square. So that's it. Well, that's it for the memories, but I, I just, there's one Christmas character that we really can't forget. We have to talk about him. Wait, can I guess? Yeah, please. Um, I hope you didn't set yourself up for failure. Uh, can I get a hint? <laughs> he was on TV. Elvis? No. He does have the Graceland's Blue Christmas out there. That's not what I'm going to talk about. Is it an animal? It's not a human. <laughs> it's a centaur. The Memphis no. centaur. Oh, I'm just kidding. No. I don't know. Mr. Bingle. I don't know who Mr. Bingle is. Oh, well, buckle up. Okay. Everyone loved Mr. Bingle. Was he like the guy? Was he a fawn? No, he's the little Chris White. He's a character. He's like a snowman looking character. Oh, from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? No, he's his own thing. He's just Mr. Bingle. I don't know. Is this a Memphis thing? Yeah, well, sort of. So it is a very Memphis thing, but it started somewhere else. He was born elsewhere. Mr. Bingle was a (laughs) well-loved... Memphis snowman who worked as Santa's assistant during Christmas. 
He had a real charming ice cream cone hat, candy cane, and red ribbon, complete with bells and holly. Mr. Bingle was imagined by Emil Eileen in 1947 down in New Orleans. Having the same initials MB, which was shorthand for the Maison Blanche department stores, he became their mascot. So Mr. Bingle, MB, Maison Blanche. (laughs) He then gained larger fame when mercantile stores and Dillard's picked up the character. So his most famous form in New Orleans was the 15-minute puppet show on Canal Street, and then he also appeared in giant paper mache form, like in the store. Okay. So it was like a giant one and then a puppet one. Wow. And the puppet was always voiced and like puppeteered by a man named Edwin Oscar Eisentrout. His show and TV and radio appearances and charity events continued on until Eisentrout's death in 1985. In Memphis, the Mr. Bingle shows were co-hosted by Miss Holly, played by Memphis advertising executive Joan White. In 2004, there was a novel called Saving Mr. Bingle, sold in New Orleans and Memphis, and the proceeds went towards getting a gravestone for Eisentrout's previously unmarked grave at Hebrew Rest Number 3 Cemetery in New Orleans. The stores also continued to market the character by selling Mr. Bingle merchandise. Wow. Can you buy any kind of merchandise now i mean i'm sure there's like vintage items still exist but i bet it's a character like if someone did like a mr bingle t-shirt or something like a throwback shirt people would probably buy it i'm gonna look this up he's very popular can i look it up on our show notes yes there will be information on our show notes and some pictures i think once you see his picture you'll know what i'm talking about because people always talk about him i gave you the real origin story but there's one that's a little bit more magical and since we're doing christmas magic i thought i would read it Yeah, okay. Okay. When Santa left his shop one day, he found a snowman near his sleigh. You'll be my helper now, he said, and tapped the little fellow's head. The snowman found that he could talk. Look, Santa, I can even walk. And then he gave a little sigh. Oh, how I wish I could fly. So Santa gave him holly wings, then looking through his Christmas things, found ornaments the very size to make a pair of shining eyes. Then Santa said, you need a hat and ice cream cones just right for that. And keep this candy cane with you. You'll see what magic it can do. The snowman laughed and sang a jingle. So Santa named him Mr. Bingle. That's how it happened. Now he's here for us to enjoy throughout the year. Hmm. Well, that was nice. Yeah, uh, Mr. Bingle got to Memphis um, because this is just like a little, hey, wait a minute. How did this happen? Um, Lowenstein's, the other, like, you know, one of the other, like, big department stores was owned by Mercantile Stores, which had acquired that character. So that's how it ended up in Memphis. But it's really like a Memphis and New Orleans thing, I think. I also found the New Orleans version of his little, like, here comes Mr. Bingle jingle. And then I found, um, either, I think, a Memphis version, which is a little different. Do you want to hear them both? Sure. Okay. Here's the New Orleans one. Okay. Jingle, jangle, jingle, here comes Mr. Bingle with another message from Kris Kringle. Time to launch your Christmas season. Maison Blanche makes Christmas pleasing. Gifts galore for you to see, each a gem from MB. Um, The Memphis version, here it goes. Mr. Bingle makes us tingle with his joy and cheer. When he comes to town, Christmas is near. Mr. Bingle makes us tingle when he comes our way. His heart's as big as he is, and he's always bright and gay. Oh, bingle, 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 bingle. We love Mr. Bingle. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. 
Oh, that last chorus. Uh, I'm trying. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're done with the rhyming. Let's just do this instead. And I guess there's not much you could say. Lowenstein's, you know, the other, the New Orleans one gets to rhyme with uh, the store name. But yeah, so I, I looked for the Memphis jingle anywhere. I still haven't found it yet, but I'm hoping maybe by the time show notes go up that I can put a YouTube video or something that's playing the Mr. Bingle song. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So that's Christmas in Memphis. That's nice. And now we'd like to take a moment for artist and fake historian Rebecca Phillips to read a segment from Wayne Dowdy's book, On This Day in Memphis History. It's not really going to be today because it's about December 24th, but this is our Christmas episode, so let's all have some magic pretend time. On December 24th, 1971. Aspiring actress Kathy Bobo Bates was in Memphis on this day visiting her parents, Bertie and Langdon Bates, at their East Memphis home. Bates had recently finished performing in her first feature film, Taking Off, directed by Czechoslovakian Milos Forman. In the film, she portrayed a singer and performed her own song, and even the horses had wings. A graduate of White Station High School, she became interested in acting after performing in a school production of The King and I. Bates moved to New York after completing a drama degree at Southern Methodist University. There, she went to work for the Museum of Modern Art, but was dissatisfied with many of the exhibitions. One of the exhibits was just some painted cloths hanging from the ceiling. I kept thinking, I should have saved some of my dirty clothes from painting scenes, and I could have been an artist. One of Bates' most thrilling moments as an actress came when she met Barbara Streisand. I was shaking all over. I was so nervous. I was with Milos Forman, who is Czechoslovakian. He introduced me to her as your new competition. We all laughed about that. But then she said to me, what is your accent? Are you Czechoslovakian? <laughs> Why are we having so much trouble with this? Are you... <laughs> Get it together. You're a fake historian. Come on. Are you Czechoslovakian? Czech... Why can I not say this word? Czech... Czechoslovakian. Can I hear you say it once? Czechoslovakian. Czechoslovakian. <laughs> Are you Czechoslovakian? <laughs> I cannot say this word. Sorry. Um... This segment is going very well. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we all... I'm going to re-read that one sentence. <clears throat> we all laughed about that, but then she said to me, What is your accent? Are you Czechoslovakian? <laughs> Czechoslovakian. Czechoslovakian. Yes. yes. Are yes, you Czechoslovakian? I had to explain. No, it's Tennessee. Bates would go on to star in many well-known films, including Fried Green Tomatoes, and Titanic, and she won an Academy Award for her work in Misery. <sighs> Man, I really did not know it was going to be that difficult. <laughs> I'm like, why did you pick that? Now I have so much more respect for Willie Bearden. <laughs> she said it like how many times? Oh, man. Okay. That was amazing. Czechoslovakian. Yeah. Ah, what? Too little, too late. <laughs> I think that's uh, 
our Christmas gift to our listeners <laughs> that segment. Oh, goodness. Oh, that was amazing. Sorry about that terrible pronunciation. The whole time, though, I was thinking, why does it matter that he's Czechoslovakian? But then it's because of the Barbara Streisand later. It's right. just like, what is Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> well, happy holidays. Uh, Merry yes, Christmas. Happy holidays to all. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas. Yeah. All right. You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. We like your type. You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind the scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Memphis Type History. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, and on Twitter at Memphis Type. 